from the I don't know what to say. I'm just speechless. To the We see all sorts of life-changing moments at McKinney competitions. How would you react? Cars, houses, tech bundles and more from just £2 a ticket. No purchase necessary. For competitions, rules and conditions, see McKinneyCompetitions.com. And so my mother always told me if something scares you, go and do it. Yeah, that's a good attitude to have. Yeah, and she also used to say that when a job doesn't make you nervous anymore, it's time to move on. Yeah, it was scary because there, was, there wasn't the freedom of information like you would have when you're on land. So you, people were in hazmat suits outside and they were spraying things and we couldn't dock to get food. And it was a pirate show and you had to learn the sword fights and for whatever reason they wanted to use real swords. And the girls are in a container barely bigger than their bodies and they stay there their whole life and just keep giving birth after babies after babies. And I couldn't look at this little pig and think that was her life, so I took her. Somewhere between that, they said I was releasing a cookbook. Okay. (laughs) And they advertised that, and I'm the sort of person that I I can't go to them and say, oh, you've made the mistake. Like, So then you said, right, now I need to make a cookbook. (laughs) Yeah, so I, I stuck to it. That was the voice of Gemma Winchester, who's the new general manager of the Omniplex Cinema in Armagh. But as you can hear from those clips, Gemma has fitted more into her 31 years than most of us would in two lifetimes. She's been an actress, a wig maker for Warner Brothers Australia, a comedian, a stunt woman, an air hostess, a writer, an animal activist, and I'm sure I've missed out on a few. This is your host, Elaine Ingram. And here's Gemma to tell us all about her adventures, um, starting off with growing up in her homeland of Singapore. Hi, Gemma. Hello. <laughs> um, I just want to say before we even get started here that I um, I, I came across you on on, on Eye, but it was basically what um, blew me away and made me want to speak to you is your CV, which yeah. reads like a movie. Um, first of all, we're here in... Arma Omniplex, which you are now general manager of. Yeah. So uh, congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> Thank um, you. But uh, I suppose you are you came from Singapore. Yeah. So you lived all your life in Singapore. And well, no, you lived in Australia. We'll get to that. Yeah. After. You lived loads of places. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> but um, you ended up in Arma in 2019 um, to take up this post. Uh, no, I actually. So I was living in Australia and living in Australia for 15 years. And um, my mother uh, was living in Bournemouth and I kind of, we wanted to get the family living back together again. And Australia actually weren't gonna let them come in to Australia to live. Uh, Cause my, my younger brother has Down syndrome and they don't accept anyone with Down syndrome coming in to move. Really? To Australia, yeah. That's very unusual, gosh. It's, it's very, yeah, it's, it's, it's very bad. I wasn't bad. aware of that at all. Yeah, so even though we, me and my brother had both been there for 15 years, we had a house. We'd bought a house and paid taxes, worked. And yeah, they said as long as he has a condition of Down syndrome, he can't move to Australia. And there was absolutely nothing we could do about it. So at that point, there was no way I was just going to, you know, not be with my family. So we decided to leave. Australia and my mum was living in Bournemouth and she said anywhere in the UK she would be happy to move to so we just dropped a pin on the map and you dropped a pin on the map yeah that's ma- actually I did that when I was um 20 when I, I lived in America that's another story we won't go there but that's exactly what we did yeah. myself and my friends dropped a pin on the map 
But um, yeah. so that's well, kind of that kind of goes to show that kind of spontaneous family you come from yeah, <laughs> that you exactly. would even do that. And I suppose that must that reflects on your um, your life and your your career. I mean, you're 31 years of age. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. And your CV re- reads like, um, yeah, I, I said it, it reads like a movie. You have done pretty much anything that anybody could imagine you've yeah. done. You've been a you've um, been a comedian. You've been a stunt person. You've yeah. um, acted in a TV show and ads in Singapore. Um, you worked on Carnival Cruise Cruise Line. You've yeah. been uh, an air stewardess. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you work with animals. You've written a book. Yeah. Okay, we we have to start. Yeah. <laughs> we have to start at the beginning. So you grew up in in Singapore. How did um what was life like there? Um, I I didn't really know it to be any different than you know I did, I grew up there, but I I was the only person. Were, were you actually born there? I was, yeah, yeah, and so was my mother. So my mother was born there as well, and but there wasn't really many people that looked like me. So I. But it was strange because I, I feel Asian inside or always felt, you know, like on my palate, like I'll eat rice and chili for breakfast. Right. And, Asian, you yeah. know, not chips, not like I just I'm just very that way inclined. But it it was strict. It's a strict country. You don't do anything wrong. And you're told from a very young age, if you do the wrong thing, you end up in jail. Really? Yeah. Uh, Singapore James. Yeah, they're jails. They're, they're kind pretty, of um, renowned, aren't they? They are. Yeah. yeah. So they teach you that from a young age and it's all about honor and dishonor of your family. So if, if you tell a lie or you you steal something, it, it's bringing dishonor upon your family. And that's like the worst thing you can do. So um, it, it's a lot of family value. So it did teach me from a young age that it, family is your most important thing, having close connections with friends. And it was very culturally diverse. So like people ask me, Singapore culture, what is that like? But it's it's a mixture of Chinese, uh, Indian, Malay. It's all kind of jumbled up and you celebrate all the holidays there, all of them. You Everyone goes to all of them and it's all about cultural differences and celebrating and yeah. Yeah, so... And um, what what language did you did you learn English there or did you speak? Did, I did. Do most people speak English there anyway? Yeah, because English it's is so the diverse. first language. Yeah, so English yeah. would be your first language. I studied Mandarin for a little while and also Bahasa Malaysia, which is Malay, but um, I, I don't really ever use it. So that's the thing about languages, I suppose. If you're not using them, um, you yeah, you lose it. them. And yeah. Mandarin is meant to be one of the hardest languages in the world to learn in the, in the first place. It is. Yeah. So. Um, yeah. Do you, do you remember anything? Uh, I can count to ten. You can. Count. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds like me with Irish. I learned Irish in school, and that's probably about the best I can do at this yeah. stage. <laughs> I can. I understand it better than I can speak it. So when I, I, I like, I still shop at there's an Asian supermarket in Belfast that I go to, and th- they can chit chatter away in Mandarin, and I'll understand what they're saying. But it's it's hard for me to then chirp in here and there a few words, but full sentences is a bit hard. <laughs> Food wise, now I mean. Yeah, you're speaking about having an Asian market handy. Is there any in, in how do you find the, the food here in Armagh? I mean, that yeah. must be uh, hugely different. I know we're, um, you know, quite diverse here as well. Yeah. We've uh, come a long way in terms of the different kinds of foods you can get. Yeah. You know, because we, I suppose, uh, you know, every, everywhere's gl- become very global now. Yeah. But do you find the food? It's different? actually, it's better than Australia. To, to be fair, just because you, like in Armagh, well, in I think Northern Ireland, they, they have a higher spice tolerance than they do in Australia. So 
you're saying spicy and it won't be spicy at all as for here like i i go like to the local indian uh indian cottage i think it's called i went the other day and asked for a vindaloo and asked them to do it extra spicy and so they'll well, you're brave yeah they'll do it <laughs> and and i i love it like i love i don't know i, I think i've burnt insides of my, my yeah i wonder that I, I often wonder about that <laughs> you know eating really spicy foods do you actually just build up a tolerance for it you do yeah but children in Singapore, they're, they're probably born eating spicy foods. You know, they probably yeah. started at such a young age that they you have do. this you, really... You have it in school, yeah. So yeah. Um, I used to line up in school and the cafeteria is you could have like food from around the world. So they'd have a Western stall where you could get like chips and a burger and then they'd have all the other stalls. And I would always get extra chili even from, I don't know, it was just, it was a weird, yeah. I have yeah. a weird obsession with spicy foods. So, right. <laughs> yeah. So I actually find that it's, it's good here. There is a lot. A lot more spice. Like Australia did have it, but it was very hard to find. Whereabouts in Australia were you? Um, Brisbane. Brisbane, yeah. Yeah. And when you and you moved over there then, and um, what age are you? Fifteen. Fifteen. Yeah. Oh, but before that, hold on. And before we get to Australia, <laughs> you. <laughs> sorry, I'm jumping ahead of myself That's here because right. there's so much. There's so much stuff that you've done. Um, you were you were in a TV show. Yeah, in Singapore so when it, you were a kid. I was. Yeah. So it was it was a pretty big show in Singapore. It's called Pwachu Kang. And uh, it's a, basically about uh, a guy called Pwachu Kong, who's a contractor, they call him. So he wore yellow um, Wellington boots all the time. And he was just like a builder kind of thing. And it was a comedy, like a sitcom right. comedy. And my dad was forever auditioning like me as a child to go into ads or being an extra. And uh, yeah, I managed to get into, I think I was seven years old and I managed to get into the Kong. So I only had a few lines. I think I asked where the toilet was <laughs> and that, that was it. But yeah, it was it was and a, it was an experience. It was. Yeah. But you come from a theatrical background. So I'm not surprised yeah. that this, you know, you said your father um, pushed you. I don't know. Was he was he involved in the theater? I know your mother was and your no, grandmother. But he, he liked spotlight. <laughs> so, yeah, no, he didn't push me, but he liked the spotlight. But my mother. Yeah, her mother was in the theater in West End in London. Uh, doing costume design yeah. and then she went into costume design as well and I can't which brings so. you to, which, which brings us to our wigs <laughs> yeah the wigs yeah so I I couldn't well when I moved to Australia basically it was we left Singapore because the options for university for my older brother were limited so right. he had to do two and a half years in the military um, you have to do compulsory. does everybody have to do that in Singapore all the boys do have to all the boys yeah. what about the girls the girls don't have to do that girls no. don't have to do it they okay. do sometimes do a lottery where they're randomly select a year and then a few girls will have to go just to do it. Um, but no, it's generally the boys, just the boys. And um, what age is that from? Uh, 18. From so 18. 18, yeah. They have to do two years. Two years, two years, yeah. yeah. Um, and then they have to do reservists every year until they're 40. Really? So they have to go back for a month every year until they're 40 years old. Okay. Yeah. So it's quite regimented over there. Very much so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so and Australia, I mean, Australia is known to be so I mean, I've never been to Australia, but, you know, from what we hear, you know, the laid back Australians, it must yeah. have been a, that must have been a huge cultural change for you. It was definitely it was because I, I I like efficiency. I like, you know, things to be done and, and timetables. And I'm, I'm very, I guess, growing up in Singapore, that's how it was. You were you got your things done. But in, yeah, in Australia, they're very much, they're, they're laid back. So timelines are kind of lax and 
And the culture is so different to Singapore. So they're not really that big on family in Australia, which I, I found difficult to fit in with. Well, you're lucky you're in Armagh now because yeah. they're very big on family here. Which is great. Yeah, I, lo- I love that. So that, that's But they're really, I would have thought the Australians would be quite family orientated. No, no, not not from. The, it's kind of like a sort of the example I used to give is I used to try and get over um, to Bournemouth and my mum was in Bournemouth to see her at Christmas time. And then they would kind of say they wouldn't drive half an hour up the road to go see their family for Christmas because it's too much of a bother. Really? You know, and it's kind of that That's kind, kind of, of sad. It is, yeah. yeah. So it it's a strange, yeah, it's a strange one. So, I mean, it's a beautiful country and they, they got, um, it just it wasn't for me. I didn't quite, yeah. quite fit but in. But you did go to university there and that's where you got into yeah. your... Um, Management. Yeah, and um, the the hairdressing end of things yeah. and then the, and the, the wig... The wigs, yeah. The wigs. <laughs> so it was, I remember the day like it was yesterday. I, I was 15 and a, a grumpy teenager and I was in an immigration office with my mom and they said, you have to do one of three careers in order to get enough points to stay in the country. So everything was done on a point system in their immigration system. So okay. because I was young, it was either a plumber, a mechanic, a cook, sorry, a plumber, mechanic, a cook or a hairdresser. Okay. And I threw a fit because I didn't want to do, do any, any of, them. of those things. I wanted to be a paleontologist. Uh, yes, yeah. we'll get to that. You still want to be a paleontologist. I still want to be a paleontologist, yeah. So, and they said, no, there's no demand for that. So you have to pick one of those four. And uh, I said, okay, I'll get into hairdressing. And I did the hairdressing school. And, that, and you have lovely hair, I might add. Oh, thank you. <laughs> thank you. And that, yeah, led me into my first job where I designed wigs for costumes and shows. So yeah, you, so you ended up back where you back where your um, your mom and your grandmother started. Yeah. Um, and did you you find you liked that? I did. Yeah, I did. I. Uh, what is now? How do you, how do you get what what do you do when you're making wigs? Like what is what was your job? So uh, I had a basically a portfolio of wigs that I had to maintain every day. So they had to be washed um, in bicarb soda because that makes them silky and blow dry them, set them. Are they made of real hair? Sorry for interrupting. Uh, some are, some aren't. So right. for the everyday performers, like the, the Marilyn Monroe that would go out every day or Hawk Girl, um, they were just like synthetic wigs. But when they did special shows, they would have the proper proper wigs, which were much easier to, to deal with than the synthetic ones. Um, so this was for Warner Brothers? Yeah. Yeah. Warner Brothers, yeah. And did you meet any stars or anybody famous when you were doing your yeah actually um there is there's a lady who used to work there as marilyn monmore called sophie monk so she became really big in australia i don't think so much overseas no nicole kidman no uh no no <laughs> i i did get to meet um the winchester brothers from um supernatural the tv show i went over to vancouver no relation uh no <laughs> no no um but no, not really. They kind of kept their sets kind of separate from the wig department. So they'd come in and a PA would come and grab them or, you know, someone else would come and grab them and then take them across. It would Is only... it all very divided on set like that? I mean, do it do, do the actors have a very much, you know, separate area where, you know, yeah, it, don't, it, the whole don't look in their eyes and that kind of thing? Yeah. Is there any truth in that? It does kind of depend. It depends on the actors themselves. So it does depend. I know um, Matthew McConaughey came uh, to the set and he was very much so, don't don't come anywhere near really? his trailer or everything's to be left to a side. And so, but other ones I've heard are, are absolutely fine. So it just, it really depends, I think, on the actors and how entitled they feel yeah. at the time. So there was a bit, 
they were filming, I believe it was Fool's Gold, where it was Matthew McConaughey and Kate Hudson, and they, they don't like each other. They don't like each other in real life? No. So to work together was quite was hard. This, was this well known, or are you revealing something here? Oh, no, I think it's well known, yeah. Oh, okay, I think right. it is well known. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, maybe I'm going to get sued now, no. <laughs> but yeah, so when it's like that, I think you know one might hang out with the crew a bit more and the other might not so. what was she like did you, you didn't get to meet I didn't her, get but, to but, meet her but no. did you hear anything any? I heard that she's lovely yeah, yeah that she's nice so you kind of hear you know whispers through the cracks but then you don't know if well she, she's Goldie Hawn's daughter isn't she yeah, yeah and Goldie Hawn's lovely lovely yeah, yeah. exactly <laughs> so I mean you hear things but then you know what is said to be rumours and what's true you, d- you don't really there's a lot of that in entertainment you know well that's true yeah. siphoning through the truth so yeah, yeah um, so how long were you there for then about five years in the end. Right. Yeah. So. And what what made you or what prompted you to, to move on then? Did you? I needed, I kind of needed a change. I I was very shy uh, when I was younger. So I always kind of wanted to, to do something on the stage, but I was didn't have the guts enough to do it. And so my mother always told me if something scares you, go and do it. Yeah. That's a good so, attitude to have. Yeah. And she also used to say that when a job doesn't, make you nervous anymore it's time to move on because you get complacent that's also very good advice yeah so I I kind of knew all that I could learn from Warner Brothers and they, they treated me well it was a good place to work um, and I mean I, I'd done the Marilyn Monroe wig every day for five years so it would be fun when you did Halloween events so one of my favorite ones we did we only did it for one year but I basically got a template and they said could you make demon dancer hair so what's demon dancer hair that's all they gave me yeah so i basically did dreadlocks and you have to weave the hair through a mesh net to make the the wig uh through lace if it's a more expensive one or just basically net if it's a cheaper one and we got to do prosthetic horns massive ram horns so so you have to be very creative i mean because you're given a very very you know, broad yeah. broad brief and yeah so you have to come up with this so I mean it is very artistic yeah it was yeah. it was fun like Halloween was definitely I got to help um, design some of the really cool mazes so I had mazes from Saw from um, uh, The Walking Dead and quite big name mazes and got to, to fill them out and you know dress them up which was pretty that fun been, that would have been really fun yeah. yeah that was definitely it was good fun and I actually got to play Billy um, the doll from Saw I don't know if you've ever seen yes. it the little doll yes yeah, so I had to ride a little trike and I had my cheeks painted that's pretty <laughs> my hair mad scary yeah yeah <laughs> so being the doll though I had to act like a doll so if teenagers came and pushed me over I had to just lay there until someone came to reset me <laughs> or when someone wasn't looking I'd get back up on my bike you know right. but uh, <laughs> so they were very much for um they were professional in the fact that you were that character and you never broke it you were when you were you know in front of when you're in front of that door, in front of that mirror, like once you in front of the mirror, once you've gone past the mirror, every door on set would have a, a full length mirror before you go out. And it said, ready, you're on stage now. Right. And yeah. that's so, so you had your acting skills, you had your, yeah. um, your creative, your creative side. Yeah. So you were, you're building up towards, um, oh, did I mention, oh, the stunt woman bit. Yeah. <laughs> so that was, yeah, that was actually. Was this on the, car, you, have you been to, have you got to Carnival Cruise This yet? is the next one is the Carnival Cruise. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so I, um, I went on a cruise with my family and um, that was 2014, was it? Um, no, 2012. Yeah, 2012. And my mum kind of just chats to everybody, you know, and she goes, oh, my daughter, I would love to do this job. How would she, you know, kind of get around to do it? And she just asks the question. 
And they said, I'll go onto this website and have a look from when they hold auditions. And it was only a few months later they held auditions in Sydney. So I flew myself to Sydney, uh, stayed in a hotel. What age were you at this stage? I would have been 22. Oh, right. Okay. So you were yeah. older. Yeah. 22, 23. And um, yeah, I went and it was 100 people auditioned. Did you go by in yourself? In a big room. Yeah, I went by That's- myself. Yeah, I was very independent. Yeah, I, my first trip, I think I was 20 years old, 19 or 20. I went to New York and Vancouver by myself. Well, you've been to 73 countries. Yeah. <laughs> which is insane. It's a lot, yeah. Yeah, most people would be lucky if they got to 20 countries in their lifetime. Yeah, I just like to, I like I like learning and travel. I just, there's something about going somewhere and I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's that's my, I guess, my, my addiction is travel, you know. So anywhere you haven't been that you'd love to go? Uh, yeah. Because there's, there's no point in me saying, where have you been? Because you you're not going to list 73 countries. So uh, where have you not yeah, been? Yeah, I haven't. There's a few places I, I really want to go. I really want to go to Iceland, see what it's like there. Um, I haven't been anywhere in Africa, so I really want to go to Egypt. Right. I want to go on a stay some anywhere in Africa where I can stay and maybe care for elephants that have been injured for a month right. or so and just live in a hut and be with people and help. Yeah, help animals. Like, <laughs> that would be great. And I really want to go to um, Borneo and see the, I think it's Borneo, where they have the orangutans yeah. that need looking after. And yeah, just to, to see the animals that may not be here, you know, in well, the We future. have you here now. You're going to be staying here for a while, right? <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. Well, uh, w- one of the reasons as well we picked Northern Ireland was I met a fella on the ship. Ah, a fella on the ship. Yeah, a fella on the (laughs) ship. And uh, he's from uh, Dublin. So the closest we could kind of get where we could live and not have immigration issues was was here. Okay. Yeah, yeah. because you needed to be somewhere in in the UK. In the UK, yeah. So you're on the the island. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And it's it's only a short drive for me. It's only two hours. I used to drive two hours to work, so it's nothing. So carnival cruises. Yeah, you, t- you got you got that job, and yep. what was what did you what did you do there? I was an entertainment host, so you come on and they just throw you in. You you learn you learn by by you sink or swim. You you get on board, and that's it. The person that you replace is left that same day, even if you're brand new. Okay. So you just the first thing you do is you go up and there's a sail away party and you got to do these. Well, lines. I suppose you got a captive audience on a boat, right? They're not yep. going to go anywhere. <laughs> no, exactly. Yeah, that you do, and you go up and you do line dances. I think is the first thing you do, and I didn't know any of them. I was just fumbling around and just trying to, you know, fit in. And you do trivia's. You host trivia's. You host uh, shows. You present shows. Um, game shows. So it's very much a management sort of job, is it? It's uh, no, it's very, it's uh, it's but, but hands on. It's very hands on. Yeah. So you run your own kind of. You'd have a room. If you're in the main theater, it could be two or three thousand people, and you do your show. So if it's say they they run Cluedo, the mystery, and you have your cues, and you go and you basically it's like a mini theater show that you yeah. act in. Um, and then, but you've had, you already had a background in that anyway, yeah. so you were probably quite confident at that stage in your acting abilities and your, I was, you yeah, know, and being able to you know get the crowd to play along with you and stuff like that, yeah, yeah. And it's about being, I think it, it's about being really relaxed. They're there to have fun and have a, you know, like the I've had mishaps happen, you know, on stage, really, really bad ones, like like uh, my <laughs> my skirt. I know my my cruise director, if she ever <laughs> listens to this, will be um, mortified. But uh, I ran the comedy club, so I would do comedy sets for 10, 15 minutes. Oh, yeah, yeah, you're a comedian. I forgot to mention that. On the that. ship, yeah, <laughs> on, the, on, the, on the ship. So I, I normally would have a room of maybe three, 400 people. 
But a really big comedian was coming on, and so he was very popular. So they decided to change him to the main show lounge, which was 2,000 people. And so I was used to my little stage and my microphone that was wireless and being able to walk around and move around the stage because I like to move when I talk. I'm quite animated that way. And I did my normal set as I would normally, and but I had a corded microphone. Do you have to like be funny? I mean, are you just funny? Yeah, or... I, apparently. I don't think I am, but people laugh when I tell them <laughs> my life story. They're like, oh, that's, you know, that's funny. Or I, I've done some pretty silly things. Like I, I uh, yeah, but with this one, I... I had the corded microphone and I had high heels on and a, a bangly, like tangly bracelet. And I was walking around the stage and the cord get, kept caught underneath my heel. And oh so I, I bent down to move the, the microphone wire from out from under my heel. And I had a, a skirt that had a two-way zip. I don't know if you've seen them. Normally the two-way zip's at the back yeah. of this dress, but this design, the two-way zip was in the front. All right. <laughs> and I'd unhooked it from under my heel and my charm bracelet got caught in my zipper oh no. on my oh, skirt I can see where this is going and I yanked it and I yanked it again and it ripped the oh zipper no. and my skirt fell off did, did on the stage think that was part of the act they did they all cheered <laughs> yeah they all cheered and they were like yay you know over 18 show and I ran off the stage I was mortified <laughs> it was terrible you should have played along and uh, pretended yeah. that it was part of the act I was just in my knickers like I didn't, <laughs> didn't want to stand on the stage anymore so after that they knew me as always wearing Mickey Mouse stockings so you know black full length leggings I always wear black stockings okay, right. under everything now because of just in case just my in skirt case falls off. you were traumatized very much so yeah <laughs> so yeah um, but I just used to share stories about things I used to do like I went swimming with some sharks and um, really yeah in the where was that that was somewhere in the Bahamas I think and they were nurse sharks so they were just you know I, I'm one of those people that I, I don't really I'm not afraid of I probably should be afraid of some animals but I never I'm never act afraid of them and I was like well if I ever get mauled you know my last words oh look how cute you are okay you know <laughs> so uh, I I went swimming with sharks and everyone joked that I'd come back bandaged up and I'd well, be but you injured. didn't just like hop into a shark pool you were obviously like supervised it was, yeah it was on a tour yeah, yeah, yeah so were you in a cage or anything no 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 you, you were just actually... off a off a boat and then kind of shallow water and you could feed the little nurse sharks they were and I didn't listen to the tour guide because I wandered off and just wanted to go see the sharks on my own because I was like, I'm on time limit here. I got to go. And um, I fell on some fire coral. And fire coral is this red coral that's under the sea that has a delayed reaction of about a minute to two minutes. So you don't know how bad it is. It burns you. It burns you like you're on fire. Right. And the I've guy came over this. and he goes, you need to you need to get back to the ship immediately. Like it's all on your legs. you got to get back to the ship immediately. And I said, why? What do you mean? And he goes, that's fire coral. And I thought, he's like, it's going to burn you. And I thought because he knew I was a comedian that he was joking with me. Right. So I rubbed more of it on myself. Oh, God. Like an idiot. So <laughs> then, um, yeah, I was burning really, really badly all over. And so I, I went back to the ship and I was covered head to toe and bandages I've never heard of this fire coral is it fire is coral it around the reef it's, areas uh, yeah in the Caribbean I think the warmer climates they have the fire coral yeah right. it's just it, it, it burns you so bad it really really so really so did you stings. end up like with bad burns in your legs no it went away they it put went... vinegar on and it stings but it does it goes away okay. but um, I was bandaged up and then I so I started my set that night was I went swimming with sharks <laughs> and I got attacked by coral <laughs> so um, the sharks were fine <laughs> <laughs> you know so 
kind yeah. of I tend to fall into having things like that happen to me. So yeah, then I just talk about it and people have a laugh. Get ready to shake up summer with the Get Active ABC Sunshine Fill Program for kids and families. Get set for land-based adventure at our summer schemes, or why not get adventurous and maybe get wet at our Splashtastic Water Sports Summer Program. There are so many things to do, and all we need is you. See getactiveabc.com summer for all the details. Tell me about the stunt. The, the, I need to know about the stunt the woman. Stunts? Yeah, the yeah. stunts? Yeah. <laughs> the stunts. Yeah. So once I left the ship, I left the ship twice. So I left the ship one time um, to come back because you do like kind of six, seven months at a time and it can get very, you, you don't have a day off in those six, seven months. Yeah. You're working seven days a week and it gets pretty draining on your body. So I did, I think it was 11 months and I said, I'm going to have a break for a while. So I you don't get any break in all that time. You're just on the no. boat. Yeah. That's it. The- yeah. <laughs> but I mean, yeah, you do. You get time off in the day. So say if you dock somewhere, you get a few hours off that day. You can go check out the port and then come back. But you will work that night. So there's yeah. no full 24 hours off unless you're very sick. Yeah. And they give it to you off. Um, but it, it's all in the experience. It doesn't feel like it does on land because there's no commute time. There's no. And, and when you really enjoy what you do, it doesn't really feel like a job either you, yeah. you want to go and tell the jokes you know you want to you know have yeah, a laugh yeah I suppose yeah um, but the stunts was basically uh, I didn't want to go back to Warner Brothers because it was quite a long drive from the house that I then had it was about maybe two and a half nearly three hour drive so I looked for uh, another kind of theme park type of place and one of my friends who actually is an amazing costume designer from Warner Brothers um, like took over a theme park and so I got in contact with him and said, did you have any jobs, you know, that I could do? And he said, yeah, we have an actor's job, but there's live stunts. So you have right. to be able to do it. And I'm the most clumsy person ever. I, I'm You're not, no Tom Cruise. not great. No, <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm not great with with anything. I'm super clumsy. So we had to basically learn it was a pirate show and you had to learn the sword fights. And for whatever reason, they wanted to use real swords. In the really? show, yeah. So that is that allowed? It was, yeah. It was. <laughs> it was. So we had to learn. Uh, we learned with like sticks, with wooden sticks. So all the training was with wooden sticks. And then they gave you real. Swords. And then they gave you real swords for the day of the show, and they're so much heavier. And I'm not very strong. I'm be worried about the heaviness. I'd be just worried about somebody, you know, cutting people. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which did happen from time to time. I never got cut, but I was always the. <laughs> Well, I suppose you're not the talent. You're just the stunt person. Just it doesn't stunt matter one. if the stunt person gets caught. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So we, yeah, we had to, you had to fall. You had to know where to hit with the sword so that, you know, there was times where you had to duck. And it was all kind of sequence and times and you rehearsed it over and over again that that was the sequence. And if anything went off sequence, you had a code word that you could shout out to the actors to come back out. Right. You know, because it, it would go wrong quite often because <laughs> they, they were heavy swords. And wow. the, the thing with having the heavy swords is I had learned the weight of it when it was light. Exactly. So, be, it would be completely different, wouldn't it? Yeah. And you're much slower when it's heavy as yeah. well. And you're swinging and it's so a two-handed So if you're in sword. a timed sequence, yeah. And yeah. if you're swinging the swords slower, then yeah. Yeah. You could end up with, you know, your arm chopped off or something. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And I remember. And I, that would make for a very, very different show. It would. Yeah, <laughs> it would. And there's all little kids in the front row. And you're like, <laughs> you, you call, I forget what it was that we called out, but I, 
uh, the uh, guy that I used to like go against, he was, played a British officer and I was the, the rogue pirate. And the storyline of the show was the rogue pilot and the officer end up falling in love. But I always, always managed to cut him every single time. I don't know why. <laughs> and and I, I would come too aggressive. But you'd have to be... I suppose when you're on stage and people are looking at you, if if you look like your fake kitten, it looks like your fake kitten. Nice. So that's what our chore- choreographer used to tell us. So our choreographer actually worked with um, the Wonder Woman movie. Oh, really? The latest the, Wonder Woman. The latest movie. one, yeah. Yeah. So he, um, oh, I forget his name, but he he goes all around Australia and he teaches stunts. So he came and he did like a crash course one day, and then that was it. You know, learn how to fall, learn, you know. Yeah, how to get hit, basically, and, and, and not be in too much pain. <laughs> so, Did you like that? I did, yeah. It was fun. It was fun. It was a shame. Very, very physical, though. It was very physical, yeah. yeah. It was very physical. Um, and I'm just not a strong person. Um, but I kind of used the comic-y, goofy kind of side. And, and part of that job as well was being a clown and falling over and tripping over you yourself. Must be, and, but you must be coordinated. I mean, you must be good at um, dancing and stuff like that. If you, well, I'm not really, no. Really? Because yeah. I would have thought that that would have been a huge part of that yeah. coordination. I yeah. mean, I don't, I'm not coordinated at all. So. <laughs> I, I'm terrible. My line dances are awful. I, I did them for seven years and I still don't really know I'm always off like only when I look back at videos I think I'm doing really well and then you look back a video at myself and go oh no I can see I'm totally gone wrong everywhere so yeah I I, I did the stunts okay but um because I could fall all right yeah <laughs> no I've done it all my life so <laughs> but um yeah that was it was a shame in the end it was just where it was situated that it didn't really get many visitors or many guests coming in right so they ended up just cutting their shows completely which was really sad yeah the first thing they got rid of is entertainment when they do cutbacks and companies if entertainment goes so um, i suppose that's true yeah yeah so that was sad but the the actors that were there have gone on to done a a few movies ones on a tv show now i think so they've gone on to do their own yeah things um and yeah. what did you do then after that? How uh, long did that last for? That was, oh, it wasn't that long. It was about six months, I would say. Six or seven months I did that yeah. for. And then I went uh, and became a hostess, flight attendant. <laughs> yeah. For what airline? For Tiger Airlines. Okay. So they're a branch of Virgin. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I love traveling and th- the training for flight attendant is intense. It's very, very intense. Probably the most intense study I've done really harder than university in my opinion it was it was six weeks crash course you had to know every aspect of that plane you had to watch you know crash investigations and it was yeah well, in another life I I actually drove a school bus in America yeah. and I <laughs> I'm revealing this now um but um yeah I can completely relate to the um crash course thing yeah because that was really intensive training and I had to basically know you know, how the everything, bus ran, yeah. everything. Look under the hood of the bus and know what everything was. Yeah. Just, yeah. So I can I Absolutely, can relate to yeah. that. Like they really, so you really need to know everything about the plane. You do. Yeah, you need to know absolutely everything. And it, it was a great job because I love travel, but I was afraid of flying. Really? Yeah. And again, going back so to my mom. So this was going back to your... My Your mom. mom's advice? Yeah. And she goes, what if you go and be a flight attendant? And in when we were in the class, everyone answered why they wanted to be a flight attendant. And I said, because I'm afraid to fly. Okay. I'm scared of flying. I was, I was petrified. I used to be so scared. And it worked within the first few months because I knew, oh, that's an air pocket. Or, you know, that's, you know, that's the brakes coming down or that's the brakes going back up or the, the wheels, sorry, not the brakes. Um, 
or that's an you know they're swapping an engine around or whatever they're doing with yeah. the, the because you had an awareness of what was going actually yeah going on. it took away your fears it took away my fears yeah and I felt much better then and well, I I got over it yeah yeah so it was it was a good job it was it was fun um best thing was you got to basically fly anywhere in the world that you wanted on your time off just pay the taxes brilliant so it was that's how I got to all my countries <laughs> so so you have, to, you have to tell me about the fella you met the fella on the boat on the boat yeah so I actually I met him um are you still with the fella I am yeah I am <laughs> yeah he's, he's he's a good one he's a good egg I um so I was on the ships beforehand and some of, because you're such close knit on the ship, you make friends for life. You make really solid friendships. Yeah. And uh, my one of my best friends uh, was living in America, and our combined another best friend. He was having a bit of a crisis on the ship he was on. He's quite you know a little bit dramatic. Uh, he was having a bit of a crisis, so we decided to go surprise him and visit him on a cruise. So I was actually working for the airline at this time, but I I took the time off and I did the surprise cruise. And while we were there, she had said to me, my friend, oh, the, the fella in the band who's the drummer is a really oh, nice, the nice guy. It's always the drummer. The drummer, it? yeah. <laughs> and I said, no, no, I'm not interested. I'm really not. I'm really not interested. And she goes, I'm on ship. You know, men on ships, I just know they're, they're, they're not to be trusted. And the musician also, not a good yeah, combination. That is not a good combination, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I said no. On paper, anyway. <laughs> on paper, yeah. And he, he came over and he was really nice and charming. And there were other Irish lads in the band, but they were from Kerry and I couldn't understand a word they said. Okay. So he was the only one I could kind of understand what he was saying. And um, I still was like, no, no, I'm not, you know, not. And I was clapping to the band at the end of the night and my watch had broke and busted apart and this was a watch that my my little brother who's got down syndrome got for me so it was so sentimental special yeah and i was there trying to pick up all these pieces and people were stepping on my hands and you know not just drunk and whatever and my friend goes i'll just leave it we'll find some extra screws when we go to another shop or whatever so i picked up the main pieces and then that was it and then the next day he comes up to me and he picked up every single piece of that watch yeah and he goes i just don't know what it would mean to someone so that's just that. So that was it. That was it. That was we decided. it. Yeah, yeah. We, we just talked for three years. We would just talked online for three years. Oh, really? Yep. He just wow. talked online. And that's how I knew that, yeah, he loves animals and he's really connected in that way. And just never, the, the thing that appealed was that he never tried anything. Do you know, he never tried to be anything more than just my friend. Yeah. And he was thinking the same thing, telling his friends, oh, I really like this girl. And I was saying this, I really like, but he's not making any moves. And I wasn't making any moves, but we just, we were really good friends So it took first. three years for you to realize that you were actually meant for each other. Yeah. Oh, that's a very romantic story. Yeah. So yeah, he's, yeah, he's a, a good egg. And uh, then we went on our next ship. Then I left the airline and we went on a ship together then, just pre-pandemic. What's his name? Uh, Chris. Chris. Okay. Yeah, he's 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 a yeah. He'd be like, "Oh, you're talking about me." No, yeah, he's it's the, the passion that he has for animals as well. Is just yeah. Tell me about your love for animals. Now you said you wanted yeah. to be a paleontologist. Yeah. So dinosaurs. Well, that's yeah, yeah, that's dinosaurs. <laughs> I suppose they're they're, yeah. they're dead, but you know. They're yeah. I I guess I don't know. I always grew up with with animals and being around them, and I have this. It's like I feel bad. I have a, a constant feeling of feeling bad for anything that I see that's, even if it's a wasp, you know, like there was a wasp in here the other day and I caught him in a cup and I took him outside and gave him a bit of Coke. Right. Like, you know, like I just, I get really, I guess I, there's something so innocent and pure about animals and they've always been good to me and kind to me and I just, yeah. I just love them. You know, I bonded, I had a dog uh, called Emma because <laughs> I wanted to call her Gemma. 
But she was, I got her when I was two and she lived to be 18. So I always, we always had animals around and at the Singapore Zoo is very, the animals are very open so you can have the interaction with them. And yeah, I just fell into wanting to rescue, rescue animals. So uh, Australia, when I was older, I, I managed to rescue my first dog was Mango and he was, still have him and he's 15 now and he was set on fire. Oh dear. And beaten and left and he'd been in the pound for two years and they said he was unadoptable, unlovable. Oh, he had to go. And I, my friend worked in the RSPCA there and said, you're the only person I can think of that would take this fella. Would you take him? And I said, yeah, I'll take him. And I remember looking at him in the cage and he was so scared. And I said to him, look, if you never want to give me a cuddle, that's fine. You'll always have food. You'll always have water. You'll always be safe. And it took him eight years to give me a cuddle, but he eventually came around. And after eight years, he's now the most cuddly, lovable, you know, friendly dog. So, um, yeah, that kind of sparked to see the difference you can make because from how terrified he was to to where he is now. Yeah. And that kind of sparked something in me to just want to do that on like a a large scale if I can. But uh, you write as well. Yeah. <laughs> You've written a, you, you're, are you in the process of writing a fantasy novel? Is that right? Yeah. Where do you find the time to do all this? I, I'm very, that's my, my <laughs> Singapore regiment comes in like every day. It's like wake up 8 a.m., you know, eat breakfast at 8.15. Like I'm very, that's pretty OCD of me. You know, I'm pretty bad with that. But I it, need to it go keeps to Singapore me. for a while. <laughs> <laughs> it keeps you. Yeah. I send my children there too. <laughs> yeah, it, it keeps you on a, they're all about, I guess, going after. If you want something, you go after it. You've got one life. This is the time you've got and time's more precious than anything. So use it because yeah. you don't know when it's up, you know. Yeah. So I, I kind of, with my book, I, I wrote a cookbook and that was because I was part of Animal Rescue over in Australia and I got Monkey, who's a three-legged chihuahua, and he was used as a, a bait dog, a live bait dog for dog fighting. And his rehabilitation inspired a few people, me bringing him back to, because he was at the brink of just not wanting to live didn't want to eat didn't want to drink didn't want to just maybe. yeah and the vet said look he's he's got two months maybe that's you know and i still have him now and he's the representative for uh county kildare <laughs> in the south where he doesn't even live there but that's that's oh, where hold on explain that yeah so <laughs> so uh chris lives in kildare and so whenever i go down i bring monkey with me um, and he got known around the cafes and he's on Instagram and he's, he's really cute. Does he have he's his so own tiny. Instagram account? He does. Yeah. So <laughs> I kind of, I man, I'm all, I was like, he, he manages, manages it. <laughs> yeah, I manage He's not that <laughs> He's not that, he's not, no. <laughs> and, uh, he, it's cause there's something about him cause he, he's got his little three legs and he, he's so tiny and what he survived was just, you know, he, he shouldn't have survived. Yeah. Basically he was left, they basically evacuated the um dog fighting arena and it was all closed down all the dogs were removed and the police came in about a week later to just have a look over the place and a police officer heard him crying still alive and he was chained to dogs that were dead so he was still alive you know and so i paid for his surgery got him out and uh, he had a cracked skull he had punctured lungs punctured liver punctured kidney he was not you know not okay and um now he's he's there and he you know he gets to go to cafes and have sausage and chips on a plate so he's a local legend in Kildare he is yeah he actually he actually is he's going actually to a hotel called the 12 in Galway he was invited to go stay at a hotel 
because they have really like dog friendly. This is a dog facility. hotel. It's it's a regular <laughs> hotel with with really so good who's dog going facilities. By He's going with me and Chris. <laughs> yeah. So, so I joke that him and Chris are going for a couple's massage together. So right. <laughs> so yeah, they'll um yeah, it's amazing just how you know his story could inspire. And I was invited to uh, in Australia back to the book was um a cut. Co- an organization called Sea Shepherd. So they do marine wildlife conservation and they found out, how'd they find out? I don't even know how they found out about me. They found out through me, I think, because I started something called Veg Out and I did little videos on YouTube about um, basically how to make vegan meals and things. Are you a, veg- are you a vegan? I am, yeah. yeah. And uh, I, there was some misunderstanding with with Sea Shepherd, so I'd said to them because it was their their thirtieth years or forty years forty years Stand Fast Festival it's called, and they asked me to come and do cooking demo. So I said, yeah, I could do a cooking demo on how to do like raw vegan balls that were like oats and um, agave and like chocolate chips and things, and I'll do the live cooking demonstration. And somewhere between that, they said I was releasing a cookbook. Okay. <laughs> and they advertise that. And I'm the sort of person that I, I can't go to them and say, oh, you've made the mistake. Like, I've So got, then I've you got... said, right, now I need to make yeah, a book. <laughs> yeah. So I, I stuck to it. And every day after my flight, so if I was in a different, you know, a different city, I'd go straight to the hotel room and I'd write and I'd write and I'd, you know, fly somewhere, go to a hotel room and write. And I got the book out. I got it ready and published it for the the Stand Fast Festival for Sea Shepherd. And uh, I was like, no, I stuck so to you're the advertising. So you're now a writer. <laughs> yeah, I'm now a writer. So. And you're writing a, uh, you're writing a fantasy book. A fantasy book. book, yeah. So I'm a, a nerd. Is this like, a, a genre that you like? Yes. So I, I'm a, a nerd. Um, I I love like Harry Potter's and Lord of the Rings and yeah. that kind of that kind of fantasy thing. So um, I started writing it when I was 12. Okay. <laughs> and I just never, it was a dream I had. Yeah. And I still remember the dream like it was yesterday. So I started writing it then. I just haven't finished it and I'm 31. So Yeah, well, you know, you've kind of been a little bit busy with other other things. Yeah. I, <laughs> but I, you came here in, tw- in, in 2019. Uh, that was pre-pandemic. It was, yeah. Just about, though. Just about. Just, and we're so lucky we got out then because, I mean, Australia yeah, Australia not, just... Just shut, shut down. Shut down, yeah. Yeah, and we left Australia, yeah, because they, they weren't ever, we, we came to the sad realization that they would never let us be together as a family there. Yeah. And my mom, you know, was getting older and it was just, it was time to make that decision that... So all of the family are here now? Yeah, we yeah. all we all came together. So it's a very small family. I've only got my, my mom and my two brothers now, that's it. Yeah. So we're, we're very close-knit family. We look after each other and... Um, yeah, so I've actually just, me and my brother just bought my mum a house. Oh, brilliant. So um, so how did you get the job here in in the I, cinema that in we're sitting cinema? in? Yeah, <laughs> so after the pandemic, I got I got stuck on the cruise ship when I was, that was my the contract I did together with Chris, and we were stuck at sea for a month during COVID. Oh, you were stuck, were you in that, one of the boats that was stuck at sea? Yeah. Oh my God. For a month. What was that like? Yeah, it okay, was. I can't, this, this podcast could go on all day. <laughs> it, <laughs> it was It was bizarre because you had this floating hotel that was meant. What was the name of your cruise ship? Was it one of the famous ones it that was, actually got stranded? Uh, no, it was called the Carnival Fantasy. Yeah. And, uh, oh, that ship forever for me. I, I remember we had to clean that ship from top to bottom because they had to give us something to do while we were stuck at sea. And I remember saying, because there were rumors that the ship was going to be scrapped. And I said, there's no way after I've cleaned this ship from top to bottom, they're going to scrap this ship. <laughs> and it it was just so strange being on the ship that was meant for, you know, three, four thousand people. And it was just, you know, 
So you were just crew. you just had to just stay. Nobody contracted it, did they? Did they? No, no, we were lucky. Everyone was, yeah, everyone was. But the, the scariest thing was we we didn't know because the internet's slow and terrible, and I can imagine you only get fed what they're telling you. And we had day, we had two temperature checks a day. We had they were feeding us information, and it was as if the world was ending because we had no idea what was going on. And people were saying their family at home were getting sick, and people were hospitalized. Yeah, and you were, were probably dying. just terrified because you. Just I was, didn't... yeah, I was, and I have weak lungs myself. I have very weak lungs, so. Uh, when they were going to fly us back, I was like, oh, you know, I, I didn't drink or eat the whole time on on the way back from we were in uh, Mobile, Alabama. Uh, we always joke that when if the world's ending and we're stuck in Alabama, you know, of all places <laughs> in the world to be stuck. And yeah, it was scary because there was there wasn't the freedom of information like you would have when you're on land. So you people were in hazmat suits outside and they were spraying things and we couldn't dock to get food we couldn't dock to Did get you have to water stay in your cabins or anything or were you no they let us the go ship? around yeah we because let us go around because you were you were in your own big bubble we were on I our suppose. own bubble yeah, yeah. so uh, slowly we had information for people to being sent home and uh, when they got flights available they 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 treated us really well they looked after us they um they kept us as informed as they could and they got everyone out that wanted to get out. And they even gave you the option if you're too scared to fly back to wherever you're going. So people like that had to go to Italy when Italy was at its worst. Um, the ship said, look, you've got a home here. You can stay here for as long yeah. as you need to. Well, that was good to that be you safe. had that. Yeah. And did you fly back? Where did you did you fly back to Australia then? Uh, no, I actually flew. Uh, I'd moved then. I was actually, I'd just moved to Ireland just you before we to went. Yeah. yeah. So uh, I flew, I think it was Alabama to Houston, Texas, and then Houston to somewhere else, uh, to New York, it might have been, and then to London, and then London to. And did you have to isolate then when you came here? Yeah. 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 Was so, it the hotel isolation thing or just your own? Uh, no, they didn't have that they availability. Didn't have, that was before. Yeah, that was, was before. Start, yeah. They said you had to go somewhere to isolate. So we were lucky. We had friends here that, that had a cottage that was empty that yeah. you could go to. But because I didn't want to go home because my mom is elderly and, and my younger brother has medical complications. So I was terrified to go in that house. I didn't yes. want to, you know, make them sick. So you did the right thing. You just, yeah. Yeah, we to... isolated until we knew we were fine. Yeah. And uh, yeah, we, we've been... Yeah, we were all right. So. And what's it been like for you here? Uh, yeah, uh, how did you get ended? Did you just apply for this job? I did, yeah. So during the pandemic, I, I worked as a special needs carer. So I and I write I write articles for the Autism Parenting Magazine. Yes, that's another thing. So yeah, I just can't keep it's up yeah, with all It's because yeah, both of my brothers have autism. So I kind of use what I know to help people understand it um, a bit better or how to, to manage it in a way that... Um, just as practical in everyday life because I've lived it my whole life and I don't know any different. And I was writing for them and working as a special needs carer. And I just kept looking throughout that time for something that I that would spark me to to do what I want to do again. So as much as, you know, caring and I, it's it's a great job and people I take my hat off to anyone who does the caring because it is yes. it's hard. And uh, I think you have to be I'm a very soft person. And so for me, it was it was a drain to see anyone who like deteriorated or, or got sick and and you had to just live with that, you know, and, and there was funerals and things of ones that were passing away. And for me, I just I'm too soft. It was just a mental drain on myself and I couldn't. Yeah, I couldn't do it. So when this came up, I, I jumped at it because yeah. it was, you know, I love films. I'm a nerd and it was back into entertainment, which I thought was 
gone for a long time. I know. And the cinema here is just, you know, they've just reopened. Yeah. How difficult has it been, um, you know, getting is it hard like getting people in getting people back yeah. in because people have gotten used to sitting at home and watching Netflix and a lot of stuff has been streamed online now that you can get yep. movies are going straight to streaming services exactly yeah is that has that been a problem are you finding it hard to get bums on seats basically yeah it is it definitely is um, I reached out that's why I reached out to Arma I in the first place was I, I wanted I know the importance of advertising and people knowing and I guess because I do come from such a strong entertainment background it's all about your presentation and how someone feels when they come to a place so yeah we may be showing the same movie that you can get on a streaming service but you're not going to get that feeling no I mean you you can never um, match the cinema experience on a screen yeah you really can't I mean it has to I mean obviously there are some films that you know lend themselves more to the cinema than others you know obviously any of the big blockbuster type films you, you kind of have to see them on a big screen don't yeah, you yeah you do yeah but, but any film it's all about the ritual it's all about the you know the popcorn and the, it's a night a night exactly it's, it's something to do it's yeah not the same sitting watching it on tv because you could do that any night of the week exactly yeah but uh, yeah have you had trouble getting people to buy buy into that and not only that i suppose the the films that weren't made over the pandemic that yeah. should have been made there's probably a, there's a are there a lot of is there a, are there a lot of films like being, you know that that haven't been made. Yeah, definitely. There's films that were delayed for for ages. Like I believe, um, even Free Guy, which is out at the moment. That my so- my daughter went to see it. Yeah, in Yuri um, actually um, the other day she said it's brilliant. It's brilliant. Yeah. yeah. See, even even that movie I think was filmed a long time ago. It was just getting. It, it's now more of a you know people being being pinged or people having to self isolate and. It having a disruption in the distribution. So some of the films are made, but they just getting people together to be able to get them out yeah. has been difficult. And um, yeah, there there are a, quite a few films coming out towards the end of this year. So, I mean, we're going to have a blockbuster in, in every screen here because we only have the four. So yeah. for Christmas time. So hopefully, I think people are starting to realize that we are back open. But I'm very much about like it's it's being having a chat with people being you know making them feel like it's not just okay yeah next next person it's you know how did you like the film did you like it like I don't know yeah. just having that kind of I even said to to Omniplex that I want to do a few events um so hopefully I can't leak what they are yet but that should be good should be doing some little events and be able yeah. to get more people in so do you have to um have people separated now I'm not sure I can't keep up with the rules anymore I know that um, in some cinemas, you had to be, you know, certain you can only yeah. half fill the, 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 you know, you can only half fill up because you have people have to be socially distanced. Yes, that. is that still a thing? It is. So it was two meters at the beginning. So that would have meant if someone booked a seat, um, two seats everywhere, front, back, sides blocked out. They lock out automatically when you book your tickets. Now it's one meter. It's one meter, so you can let, let more so people in. You can because let more that people must in. be financially difficult. I mean, yeah, it's hard enough to to make money. It's hard enough to fill a cinema anyway, you know, but when you can't have you know, the, seats, lo- yeah. the seats filled, that must it's difficult. It, it's, and it, it must it, be expensive. It is. And it is kind of difficult to when when friends come in or, or say one's booked online and, and friends want to come in. It's trying to explain that those covid bubbles, you can't sit next to each other then because those seats have locked out. Because so it, even if, if if people are together 
and they're in their own bubble they can't sit beside each other if they are together they can but the thing is with booking seats you see if they book them at if different they times online. yeah they but will, if you just came will. in and bought the seats could yeah, you do it that that's way fine. Yeah, yeah. yeah so we just want to keep the you know the bubbles together so it's safe and and anyone with children you know that to make sure that they they don't run around and as kids want to want to do sometimes yeah. it's it's hard because it's still you know COVID's still a very big thing so it's taking the precautions but everyone has been really good they've been really good at the rules I think it's it's very well understood you know that it's a pandemic so yeah they they kind of do understand that it's it's you have to sit in the seat you're allocated and there's a reason why there's a gap yeah. or yeah and do you find a reluctance for people to actually go to the cinema for that reason because of yeah, COVID reasons people as well, are still scared. Saying. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it, people are still scared because of the. I mean, it's an enclosed room. Um, we do have ventilation and and things uh, it's like a big that. space though too. It's, it's, it's an a enclosed big space. room, but it's it's a big space. Yeah, it is. It's not like yeah. people are walking around. It's not like a bar or something like that. When exactly. you're in your seat, you're in your seat. Yeah, exactly. So, I think people just it's it's getting back people out of the routine, you know. So it's it's getting back to getting back out and doing things. I suppose is it's trying to encourage people that. Yeah. yeah, try and restart the world again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Have you got any good movies coming up or anything? Um, uh, what do we have coming up? We've got. Um, I should know this. <laughs> <laughs> we do have um, a few Marvel movies coming out soon. Um, I'm sure they'll be popular. They will be. Marvel yeah, movies. and oh, then Bond are. is coming out soon. The new oh, Bond. Bond. Yeah, we've been talking about this one for years. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Feels, yeah. It feels like years. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So that comes out soon, I believe. Venom. Um, yeah. So there's a few, there's a few coming out. Yeah. Yeah. And you think it'll get back up, up and running, hopefully properly soon. Yeah, I hope yeah. so. I mean, we do our best to to advertise and and let people know and give feedback. And it's about listening to what what people want as well. As I said here, if if we don't have a movie, say, and someone wants wants it, there's, if enough people ask, it's yeah. my job to then ask, can we show it? Yeah. You know, so well, I mentioned to you before we started this about the film Wildfire, which is yeah, <laughs> which is um, Kathy Brady's and Yuri director, and I'm hoping to get her on the podcast soon. So yeah, there's a request. Lovely, from me to yeah, get that film definitely, in. <laughs> yeah, definitely, yeah. Um, and what about you yourself? Now, you're are you going to stay here for a while? Or are you going to go off, um, and to Gorillas in the Mist? Yeah, um, <laughs> I'm going to be here for a while. So the plan eventually is to to open a animal rescue sanctuary so i i've kind of s- sort of started up here here in armagh here uh, somewhere here yeah. yeah yeah so i've got um a little pig called hamlet and uh so she's a little baby at the moment um so she's my my latest little that's a very girl. cute name yeah hamlet <laughs> yeah she was off to be bred so she was only she's only three months old and from four months old they're bred their whole life and they live in a cage and that is that that's is terrible. it and she's a Juliana pig. That's really cruel. It is, yeah, it is. And uh, she's a she's a Juliana pig. They don't grow to be that big, but they're obviously not what people think, tiny, tiny teacup pigs. But just, I've always wanted a pig because of how intelligent they are, and it, it's always made me curious um, about them. And to just hear a lot of animals that have been stuck at the port in Belfast and uh, because of, you know, regulations Brexit and things. and all that, yeah. Yeah. It's been, yeah. It's been difficult. So a lot of animals need help at the moment. And so I, I heard about the, this little hamlet and uh, I would save them all if I could. And that's my hardest thing is going somewhere and, and you have to pick one and I don't want to have to pick one. You know what I mean? And so it ended up being between a little boy and a little girl and they, they were both going off to be bred their whole life. But I looked at the conditions the males had and they had a field 
and it was one male in a field and he had grass and he had, you know, room. And the girls are in a container barely bigger than their bodies and they stay there their whole life and just keep giving birth after babies, after babies. And I couldn't look at this little pig and think that was her life. So yeah, I took her. So the hope is to start an animal sanctuary so you yeah. can get more of those yeah. stranded animals. Yeah, save yeah. as many as I, that's my dream is to just save as many animals as I can and all all kinds, like disabled ones, ones that, you know, I, I had a dog that had epilepsy before and just any anything that needs extra care, um, that, that the ones that aren't wanted. I want the ones that aren't wanted. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so well, I have no doubt, Gemma, that you will, um, you will go on and do that because you seem you're the most driven person that I <laughs> in, in a lovely way. Yeah, thank <laughs> um, you. You definitely just go out and do it. You don't just talk the talk. It seems like you definitely walk the walk. Yeah, uh, I, I, yeah. <laughs> paleontology is is next as well. You're going to be it is, hopefully yeah. to study that as well. They do have it at Queens, I think, in Belfast. Yeah. So um, I'm keeping my eye on it. I want to be able to juggle everything. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, so yeah I do want to learn about time just because it, it's, it's been something I've always wanted to do yeah. and I don't want to get to an age where I go oh, I wish I could have gone on a, a dig sometime or you know yeah, and yeah. I'm just fascinated by the past and I think that when something's gone people don't really look into it anymore but I think you can learn a lot about what's happening now from the past yeah so everything's happened before do you know what I mean yeah, in, in yeah, a way yeah, yeah. So, yeah, yeah hopefully <laughs> I can write a book about it maybe yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, Gemma, it's been lovely talking to you. Yeah, lovely talking to you as well. Thank you for having me. (laughs) Thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed that chat with Gemma as much as I enjoyed talking to her. I'm trying to get out to the cinema sometime soon because they're definitely open for business. Remember to keep getting all of your news from Arma Eye and I hope you join us next time for our podcast. The we see all sorts of life-changing moments at McKinney competitions. How would you react? Cars, houses, tech bundles and more from just £2 a ticket. No purchase necessary. For competitions, rules and conditions, see mckinneycompetitions.com.